0: Welcome to How We Win, the official podcast of The Persistence. Action is the best antidote for anxiety, and we can all make a difference right now. There is so much to talk about from the last two weeks. More attacks on abortion access, the Tennessee Three, another tragic shooting in Louisville, Clarence Thomas being Clarence Thomas, and oh yeah, Trump was arrested. Jennifer is still out of town, and I can't possibly handle this all on my own, so we are bringing in A Ringer, the creator of the great Chop Wood Carry Water newsletter, Dem Party activist and TikTok influencer, Jessica Craven. I'm Steve Pearson, and this is How We Win. Jessica Craven is joining us. She's the creator and author of the excellent Chop Wood Carry Water newsletter. She's a progressive TikTok influencer with millions of views on her videos, sharing all things activism and election-related with anyone who wants to know – and as she says in her bio, democracy is not a spectator sport. Uh, Jessica, you're my friend and someone who I've been wanting to have on the show. I'm, I'm embarrassed it's taken this long to have you on. But thanks for helping out on, on what is a crazy two weeks of stuff to dissect. It's just crazy.
1: And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, the, maybe the craziest week of all of the crazy weeks. And there have been so many crazy weeks.
0: Yeah, I thought, you know, Jen's on vacation. We had our, you know, Passover and Easter weekends. You know, I thought people were going <laughs> to be able to just relax and take a break. And, and um, that was my intention with last week's little thank you to everyone. Uh, but it's it's crazy. But before we before we get into all that, uh, I just want to introduce our audience to anyone who doesn't know you, to you, and ask you a little bit of your origin story. Um you uh, you started chop wood carry water. I guess was it back in 2017? Is that when you started it?
1: 2016, right? Right, the week really that Trump was uh, elected. Basically, it it really came out of a mental health crisis on my yeah. part. It was a total um survival move. Uh, um, sh- should I tell you just a little bit of the, that origin or why yeah. it's called that that silly name? So yep. um so Chocolate Carry Water uh it, as many people know is a it's the name of a, a book about Buddhism, right? So the and it's my my uh newsletter is not a Buddhist newsletter, although I love the idea of a Buddhist newsletter. Mine is not that. Uh, it's a saying that I learned from my dad. I guess my dad had read the book, Chop Wood, Carry Water at some point. So he'd learned this saying and taken it a little bit out of context. He used to say it to me when I was going through hard times, just chop wood, carry water, Jessica. That's how you get through the really, hmm. the really, really tough times. And uh, when Trump was elected, uh, it came into my head when I was talking to another girlfriend who was crying and crying and saying, what are we going to do I said, I, I guess we're just going to chop wood, carry water, and then that sort of became this mandate inside of me. To what does that mean? It means let's find little actions we can take to survive. What are our survival actions? And and also, um, let's not get ahead of ourselves and and think about how awful the future is going to be. Let's let's really uh, look down at our feet and see what we can do right now. And uh, so I started doing that for myself and sending those actions out to a couple of family members and a couple of friends. And that list started to grow and that became Chopwood Carrywater carry water newsletter, which I, I said the phrase often as a way to just keep people from going into a fetal position because, you know, <sighs> I don't need to explain why it was so hard, but, but I really have found that taking action is not just a way to uh, stop fascism, save democracy, but it is also a way to stay mentally, um, stable mm-hmm. during a time of just colossal instability which is what we're living through
0: yeah absolutely i mean obviously at the beginning of our show we always say action is the best antidote for anxiety and and that's the exact same reason why i got involved i talk about this sometimes and i it, it's like we do this work that is so important for so many people but there's sort of a selfish motivation from it, too, just for our own mental health, because I know the Power service has in my own life. this This work is so dire, and we've certainly seen it in the news of the last couple of weeks, uh, another shooting in Louisville. Um, just you know, blatant example of disgusting racism in Tennessee. This is hard work. But the joyful community we find in doing this work together, and the sense of of relief knowing that you're part of the solution and part of action, is uh, is really important. So I, I I want everyone to to know that. And what I love about your newsletter is I try to do it on this show. I try to give like action items every week and uh, and reasons for hope. But um. You really load up. You, you load up on the good news. You load up on the action items. You keep people busy. And, um, and you know, I, I steal some of your stuff sometimes when I'm in a pinch here. Uh, most of the time. You should. <laughs> you should.
1: You should do that. I consider it very open source. I want people uh, to take those actions and spread them and share them with other people. And, yeah, you do do the exact same thing when I listen to this podcast. I think, wow, it's like a podcast version of my newsletter because the – so, uh, like like a year or two ago, I started compiling a list of the good things that were happening and sort of sending them out as a bonus newsletter at the end of the week for paid subscribers on Substack because I'd moved over to Substack. And at some point, somebody uh, said to me in the comments, you know, I think it's a little unfair that you only give that list to the paid subscribers because some of us can't afford to pay and we, we really need the good news. Mm-hmm. And I thought, uh, you know. That's that's fair. Like that is fair. I am gonna. So I I decided I'm not gonna make this about the money. I'm gonna make this about sort of lifting people up. And it is now by far the most popular uh, edition I send out every week. Is that Sunday newsletter that's just a list of everything good that I saw that happened in politics in the preceding week. And the the truth is is that we miss so much that is good because as you know and I know and anyone who's been on social media knows you know uh if it bleeds it leads right if you if you mm. post something angry or negative or scary it's going to get amplification and the good or things tend or trumpy oh yeah and and I'm done with that I I try to talk about Trump as little as humanly possible I'm yeah. not interested in him um but this good news is important because I believe very firmly, like you talked about believing in service and and doing this from a, a, a place of service. And another part of that for me is that what we focus on grows. So if we're constantly focusing on the bad and the grim and the losses, we're going to just sink down and it's just going to keep growing. So instead of like attacking the bad guys, I always try to think of this work as like bringing light to a very dark situation. And um, part of that is talking about when we succeed. And the truth is, we're succeeding. There's all kinds of amazing things happening, especially since we won so many seats in 2022. So if we don't give that some energy and some space, what's the point of all of our hard work if we don't stop and celebrate it? So yeah. that's a that's really a high point of my week is sending that newsletter out.
0: Well, it's a high point for anyone who receives it. So let's we'll have the link in the show notes and make sure that everyone subscribes. And. Um, Uh, Before we go to the news, though, I just want to clarify for our listeners, Jessica Craven is no relation to Mariah Craven, our former co-host, but I've known you since 2017, and (laughs) I just found out that your father was, in fact, legendary filmmaker Wes Craven. Is that
1: correct? Yeah. I, yes. You, you're like the only person who's ever, I mean, seriously, yes, that is true. And I almost, no one ever asked me about it, which is kind of amazing and delightful, but I don't <laughs> mind being asked about it. But yes, no, he, he was.
0: I, it's true. I don't know why I never put that together. And, uh, you know, what a, what a cool, you, you must have so many great stories from, from that.
1: Well, yeah. I do. Sorry to interrupt you. I, but I was going to say, since nobody ever asked me about this and I don't bring it up, um, you know, for all kinds of reasons uh but it is funny that you you talk about him because uh he has you know dad i don't know if anyone knows his movie nightmare on elm street but first divorce. of all dad was the one dad was the one who gave me the phrase chopwood carried water when right. i was going through a really bad divorce when i was 35 but also hmm. uh chopwood i mean uh nightmare on elm street supposedly nancy the lead character he he says he based on me now is that true i don't know but he said you know, she, she's she's like, you are the inspiration for Nancy, right? So at the end of the movie, when Nancy finally sort of defeats Freddy Krueger, at least, you know, until the sequel, <laughs> the way she does it is she turns her back on him and she takes away all of his energy, right? Which I was using uh, as a metaphor for someone recently about Trump. I was like the, this idea of like, I don't want to invoke Nightmare on Elm Street, but we got to stop giving this guy so much energy. It is what gives him life. So wow. let's turn our back and focus on something that we can build instead of focusing on this boogeyman, who we've all become sort of, you know, understandably obsessed with. But um, anyway, I just mentioned that as an aside, because when do I get to bring that up unless someone asks me what yeah. you just asked
0: me? Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> it's such a great story. And it's such a great allegory, too, for Trump. I I really think it's perfect, because that's what the mainstream media does. They can't Help themselves, but oh, and yeah. and um and I have to say, uh, going into like the first thing I want to talk about the news, the Republicans in Tennessee who are disgusting and uh, this clear, just absolute, abject racism for everyone to see, they did manage to do one thing that was good, and that was knock Trump out of the news cycle. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that that is true. That was pretty
0: incredible. Like these Tennessee Republicans kind of obscure, you know, Tennessee Republicans managed to knock Trump completely out of the news cycle and he just got arrested.
1: You're so right. On Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember when the whole thing kind of blew up in Tennessee, but I believe it was the same day of the indictment and the Wisconsin win. Did we also have the Tennessee thing happen, or was that? It on was, Monday?
0: It was after that. It was yeah. It was so, after, but it was so we all had been the, the
1: same. We had the Wisconsin
0: win, uh, which was uh, a huge thing to celebrate, and uh, obviously just a, a, a massive over 10 point uh, you know win, yeah. really exceeded uh, we knew it was going well, but completely exceeded uh, yeah. expectations there. And then yeah. we had uh, what happened in Tennessee. It shows us how how fragile our democracy still is and the knife's edge that we're still walking.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yep. I was on vacation last week and Mm. I thought I'm going to take a week and now I can kind of the election is done and, you know, going to go out of town with my parents. And, yeah, I ended up making a TikTok from a hotel room bathroom about the Tennessee three because it was just like this is you got to that no one can be, on. you know. Taking taking the week off this week. It was a big week.
0: I feel like a lot of TikToks get made in hotel room bathrooms, but that's another story. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah. So uh, what's exciting is um, Justin Jones just got reinstated uh, because the city council had to vote for a replacement and they unanimously uh, voted to replace him with him. Right. Uh, which was a beautiful moment and seeing him come back in and hopefully we'll see the same thing from Representative Pearson who, yeah. uh, you know, I share a pronunciation of name with, spelling's different, but...
1: Oh yeah, so but you do. I'm just really just glad yeah. to
0: be some, somewhat associated there. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I think he'll get reinstated. It looks it looks hopeful.
0: Yeah. Um, I hope. Yeah, me, me too. And uh, it's just a classic misfire from these, you know, buffoonish, complete racist asshole Republicans who like that that's the hill they wanted to die on. Right. Yeah. When uh, their constituents, children had just been murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's jaw dropping. I still don't have words for it, but um, it's spectacularly backfired on them and made national heroes of of these uh, lawmakers and uh, and they deserve recognition too because they are really really inspiring uh, people
1: yeah well and I'll just tell you two two things first of all I'm sure you've heard this but not only did they shoot themselves in the foot as far as they've created these two superstars of these two already incredible activists but who were relatively unknown and who are now you know World worldwide known. Um, but also, I'm sure you've heard that uh, Cameron Sexton, the Speaker of the Tennessee House, uh, it turns out does not actually live in the district that he represents. And that was sort of a well-kept secret, uh, or I guess maybe it was known in some circles anyway, but that has now blown up on him. So now he's on the defensive because Judd Lagoon did a big expose, and now everybody's talking about that Cameron uh, Cameron Sexton, sorry, basically has violated the Tennessee Constitution. That violates the Tennessee Constitution. So he has just expelled these two democratically elected lawmakers for violating a norm on the House floor, which they essentially had to do because he had turned off their microphone. So they were trying to talk to their constituents and could not be heard. P.S. This is something that they do apparently constantly to Democratic lawmakers – turn off their microphones, refuse to acknowledge them on the floor, uh, you know. So they resorted to methods that they could to be heard. Uh, yeah. It is a classic example of uh, the pot calling the kettle black. I don't know what the expression is, but it's 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 Republican hypocrisy, you know, in stark relief, as it always is.
0: Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's interesting to watch. And um, I guess... My segue into our next news item that I want to talk about is more uh, Republicans not learning uh, and fucking around and finding out.
1: Yes. Uh, Yes.
0: But uh, but that's these more attacks on abortion access and uh, a couple of federal rulings on uh, Mifepristone. um, Mm -hmm. And uh, and this is obviously really scary and uh, and nothing to be flippant about. Their rulings that will certainly go to this conservative Supreme Court, which will once again be making decisions uh, on on women's health care that they have no business uh, weighing in on. But the Republicans also uh, don't seem to learn their lesson because this has been an issue that has been so incredibly galvanizing, not just for Democrats or Republicans, but just f- for everyone. You know, like. Yeah. You know, th- this this is a losing issue. Like, you know, Americans want their reproductive freedoms, right? They yep. want their freedom, um, and uh, you know, the after. You know the the so-called red wave never happened in the midterms, and the uh, Republicans won a very very thin uh, majority in the House. And the first thing they did was try to attack abortion rights. Uh, they're still going after it um, with this conservative judge ruling, and um, uh, you know we saw the repercussions of this. You know. This was a huge part of what happened in Wisconsin, and and that and that race, and and the huge amount of activism we saw there. So, um, I, I guess I just want to hear what are your your takeaways on all this.
1: I mean, I feel the same, and have felt for a long time that uh, you know that abortion is the thing we should be leaning into because it is the most galvanizing issue because it has to do with so much more than just. When am I when when am I going to have a baby or when when does someone choose to start a family? It has to do, obviously, with bodily autonomy, with women being second class citizens, women and other people who can get pregnant in mm-hmm. our country right. um, with so many with with, again, Republican hypocrisy. This is supposed to be the party of small government. And here they are intruding into the most personal place in our lives. Um so all of that, uh, I think it has been very, very frustrating to watch Democrats sort of, you know, tiptoe around, maybe leaning into it and maybe not. But I think that what we're seeing right now, and I guess you could put this in the reason for hope column, is I think Democrats are really starting to realize this is something to lean into. Um, and, there, you know, there was this fantastic Rebecca Traster piece in The Cut a week or two ago. It was called Abortion Wins Elections. And she basically makes this argument of how critical it is for Democrats to make this the center part of their platform. And she talks about Gretchen Whitmer, who did this very brilliantly in Michigan. She leaned into the abortion uh, fight and she tied it in with uh, the economy. She talked about how pro-choice states have better economies, which is true, right? Mm. You've got people wanting to move there. You've got good health care. You've got better opportunities. You've got you know people choosing to start families when they want to as opposed to when they're forced to. All of that is good for jobs. It's good for the economy. It's good for wages. When we combine those two arguments, I think we can destroy the Republican Party. And quite frankly, I don't consider myself like a strategist. I'm not a war room person. But when you see the party that is taking a beating on this one issue, keep coming back and going, right. thank you, thank you, sir. Can I have some more? You just think, <laughs> OK, I guess you guys really you want to lose it is like watching someone with an incredibly self-destructive impulse. It's like they can't help themselves because this is the stupidest thing they could be doing, but they keep doing it. Yeah. So, yeah, bring it on. I mean, I hate the pain and suffering it's going to cause in the meantime, but if they keep going like this, it's going to be a rout in 2024.
0: Yeah. I mean, two two groups that uh, are have been consistently saving us shouldn't have to be, and uh, but they have, and that's women and uh, young people, right. Yikes. And right. Uh, and so the Republicans are leaning in to trying to rob women of their bodily autonomy, uh, not trying to. they are. yeah. and uh, and then not protecting kids' lives. Guns are the number one killer of kids under the age of twenty five. yep. and yep. Uh, and this is like, it's a public health emergency. It, I don't even know how to talk about it anymore because it's just so ludicrous. Yeah. Um, these are both issues that have about 80 percent popularity across the board with our electorate regardless yep. of party. But these are the two issues that Republicans really lean into um, that and you know uh, restricting – the, the rights of trans kids too I mean it's just like right you know uh it's just dumb I mean yeah. it's hateful it's it's awful um but it just makes no no sense you know I, I mean keep going they're they are gonna get routed uh, in 2024 uh, yeah. because if that's their platform and and you mentioned you know that you thought, the article about leaning into the abortion as as an issue, I've I've actually thought that for a long time because going back for years, abortion was like that single voter issue for Republicans. That's what motivated re- Republicans to show up and vote consistently. It was abortion, and it was the Supreme Court. And Democrats back then didn't learn their lesson. You know, I'm talking about the Bush, what got Bush elected. Right. Right. Um, And um, and they wanted to stay away from abortion as an issue because they were afraid of alienating this elusive middle, you know, Christian kind of centrist voter that might vote Democrat, but really cared about abortion. And I I really think that they missed missed the point of all that. Sadly, um, you know, we're seeing the repercussions uh, with the Supreme Court we have now as a result of that. Right but um yeah right. anyway
1: yeah. And it's been going. I mean, I just read a biography of Shirley Chisholm. Shirley Chisholm, this was a central thing for her. She argued for abortion with no, she she didn't want restrictions, not because she, you know, because she felt that that decision should be between a doctor and the person who is pregnant, period. She was advocating for that in the 60s. And people were like, you're crazy. You know, she was also advocating coincidence. No, I don't think so. For child care, universal child care, which she almost got passed. It got vetoed by Nixon. Um, all of these other policies, because they're all part and parcel. She raise the minimum wage for the first time in like a decade. These were all things that they all go together, right? And and so that, yes, I think Democrats have missed the boat on understanding how integral abortion rights are to everything else we're fighting for. But again, we keep winning despite the fact that they haven't put it at the center of their platform. And I think in 2024, we will see them put it at the center of their platform, or at least I am hopeful. And if that happens. I think we could see, you know, as Simon Rosenberg talked about in your podcast two weeks ago, maybe we will get to the the fifty five that he so badly wants us to get to, the fifty five percent of the vote, yeah. which would be really meaningful.
0: It would be, it, uh, and uh, I I have hope there. You know, um, yes, so do I. He's he's got a solid plan, and and we've been d- building on these coalitions, you know. Yeah, you and I both. Since since twenty sixteen, since we started doing these work, we've seen right. doing this work. We've seen these coalitions come together. And um, uh, again, I'm I'm sorry that it's women and kids that are leading the way. I, I wish there were more guys, uh, you know, doing this too. But um, you know, we're doing our best. I'm I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get, <laughs> trying to get. I them. appreciate
1: that about you. I do because <laughs> when I sign on to a phone bank and there's you know at, always ninety five percent. Women or, uh, you know, female identifying or non-binary, very, there's very few cis men on these phone banks, yeah. right? So I appreciate the few cis men that I do know that it's are in this fight. It's embarrassing. It is uh, disappointing, but I think that women, uh, you know, are up to the challenge. And, of course, we we stand on the backs of, you know, uh, black Americans and, and you know, uh, Hispanic Americans and so many different marginalized communities who have always been doing this work. Yeah, Always. Yeah. And uh, I feel bad that I wasn't in this fight sooner. Quite frankly, Me it's a great privilege that we were able to stay out as long as we were.
0: Yeah, I feel I I feel like I'm making up for lost time uh, with yeah. the work I'm doing now. And since you mentioned that, of course, as we're recording this, yesterday was the great Dolores Huerta's birthday. So shout oh, out yeah. to Dolores Huerta! Happy birthday to civil rights icon Dolores Huerta! Still That's doing amazing. it, still showing up, and uh, organizing and leading. Um, Amazing. So, spe- At what
1: age? What age is she? Sorry to interrupt you. How old?
0: I think she's like 98.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. She's, yeah, it's up there. Sorry. You're never
0: too old. Sorry, Dolores. Uh, but creeping creeping up on triple digit, she'll make yeah. it. Um, mm-hmm. All right. So speaking of that inspiring uh, person, let's talk about this week's to-do list. Um, yeah. A lot of important things to do. We talked about the attack on uh, reproductive rights. Uh, This Saturday, April 15th, uh, Women's March is taking to the streets once again uh, and organizing marches for reproductive rights all over the country. There's a big one happening here in Los Angeles. There's also virtual events around this. Uh, We will put a link in the show notes so wherever you are, you can find something close to you, uh, start something if there's not something there, or join one of the virtual events.
1: So fun. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. And uh, we didn't even talk about Clarence Thomas. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So much in this last couple of weeks. Clarence Thomas really
1: acting like Clarence
0: Thomas. Mm.
1: Like Clarence Thomas, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had on the to-do list that uh, that we should call about him. You know, um, it, it's a, it's frustrating to push up against the sort of inertia. That is surrounding this this area where the senators and everybody just sort of feels like, well, you know, there's nothing we can do, but there's so much we can do. Um, I've I've been telling people to call and demand that he be impeached. Uh, At the very least, he should be investigated by, you know, a Senate hearing. Um, And then there's legislation that we can pass uh, the Supreme Court ethics. And oh, God, uh, I don't have the exact name of the bill in front of me, but basically the the Supreme Court has no code of ethics. None. They can do Anything they want. I was reading some quote from a guy who was actually defending Clarence Thomas. He said, it's the Supreme Court. I can give him a yacht if I want. It's totally legal. I can give him an airplane. I can give him a house. And the sad truth is, is that right now that's kind of true. And uh, we have to change it. And we have to keep making an uproar until they listen to us.
0: Yeah. And just uh, for our listeners who m- maybe missed the news about Clarence Thomas, uh, it was uncovered that he was given hundreds of thousands of dollars in like private plane trips and and uh, uh, I guess, a vacation uh, by a Republican donor.
1: And- Mega donor. And they were basically like $500,000 vacations every year for the last decade or two decades. So we're talking about millions of dollars Worth of vacations he's accepted. And this is a very influential Republican billionaire mega donor who also collects Nazi paraphernalia right. and has a, a statue garden in his garden of dictators over the years. <laughs> like, nice guy. Yeah, so uh, you just can't make this stuff up. I
0: was gonna say you came from the film biz, as we talked about that. And uh, if you wrote this in a script, they'd be like, "Yeah, you know, don't put all the dictator statues. That's too on the nose. That's too too silly.
1: Exactly. Come on, we (laughs) have to keep this plausible. Right? Nothing. Nothing is plausible about what we're going through right now. If you had told people two years ago that, uh, uh, you know, in Idaho they would be criminalizing people for crossing the borders with their teenage kid who was pregnant? Would you believe that? I mean, it's we're living in highly implausible times.
0: We are. We are. And, yeah. uh, and thankfully, we, we keep pushing back. So uh, call oh, your yeah. reps about Clarence Thomas and, yeah. um, and make sure that we get some solid ethics rules uh, for the Supreme Court, Sheldon Whitehouse, of course, being one of the great voices for that as well. Um, and uh, do you want to talk about H.R. 1699?
1: Yeah, well, I, you know, we're really I, I do a lot of work with the Newton Alliance, which is a big gun violence prevention alliance. And and they're really asking us to keep pushing on two bills, uh, the assault weapons ban, which has almost all the Democrats sponsoring it in the Senate and the House. But not all. You would be shocked. I think there's still nine Democrats not sponsoring it in the House and about six in the Senate and. Um, so keep pushing our representatives to sponsor that. And then Maxwell Frost, the amazing new congressman from Florida, has a bill, uh, HR 1699. It's the Office of Gun Violence Prevention Act of 2023. What who could object, right? it's it just creates an office of gun violence prevention, which is one federal office that would coordinate all of the data gathering, all of the different, you know, aspects of addressing gun violence. and yet, not a single Republican co-sponsor not it, yeah, so but we are going to keep pushing because we have people are very riled up right now. I actually feel that we are close to a tipping point, so we are going to keep pushing, yeah, and so that is my 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 suggestion for this week to do call
0: I love that I and I was talking about this with the you know which shooting was it the last one, but normally, I get so you know I've been so despondent, especially when you know. Kids are, are killed and murdered in such violent way. It's really, yeah. really, really rough. That that one just made me angry and more yeah. resolved. And I felt that from a lot of people too. Yeah. Um, and I see the resolve from people like Maxwell Frost. Who, by the way, if you want to listen to another episode of How We Win, he was on a, probably like a month ago. And uh, he that I think that's a great evergreen episode. Because he's so amazing and it's so exciting. Like Simon said, it's so exciting to think about how young he is and how long he could serve uh, our country and and be in Congress if he chooses to do that. Because yeah, um, you know he's he's really great. So keep pushing on the assault weapons ban because of course. And um, why wouldn't you have an office to prevent gun violence?
1: Right. Like, right. Um, there's no there's no logic, but we will keep pushing for it.
0: <sighs> all right. Well, uh, damn, I have so much fun doing this with you, Jessica. This is great. No, yeah. uh, I- let's ask you the one question that we ask all of our guests, and that's what's giving you hope right now?
1: Oh, I mean, so many things, honestly. So I, it's hard to limit it to one. Uh, looking at what is happening in Tennessee gives me spectacular hope. Watching... Um, uh, Justin Jones walk back into that statehouse after having been reappointed uh, and then watching him get up on the floor and make a completely brave and unapologetic speech in which he announces that he is going to immediately be introducing 15 bills again and all of them will be gun violence prevention bills. Yeah, that gives me hope. Um, there is a almost a a a. <sighs> Glee is the wrong word because there's so much pain in what we're facing. Mm-hmm. But I'm i am I'm on TikTok. I'm watching all these young people. They're waking up and they are realizing their power. They are picking up actions when they are offered an action. They take it. They're excited. They love to see that they can do it. There is... Um, I don't mean to put too much on the young generation, but I feel that we are all waking up to how much power we have. And, and so many of us are really kind of on the same page about what we want now or what we don't want. Yeah. Um, It, it does give me hope. I feel a great change is imminent uh, because of the engagement that we see all around us and that is growing every day. And because Republicans, quite frankly, can't stop hurting themselves. That gives me hope.
0: They can't stop hurting themselves. That's true. They um, can't. Yeah.
1: Well. They're going to nominate Trump again. Think about that. Yeah. This is a very self-destructive group of people.
0: I mean, why not? Because the the second most popular candidate for president can't even win his own state right now. Oh, yeah. There yeah. was a poll that just came out that still had Trump way ahead of DeSantis in Florida, in the state of yeah. Florida. Yeah. So. But um, he's
1: going to be it. He's going to be it. It's
0: amazing. He's going to be it. We and uh, we'll see some more. Oh, gosh, there's so much to talk about. Jim Jordan yeah. just got.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. He just got
0: sued. <laughs> just got sued. <laughs> uh, good stuff. I feel
1: like Democrats are taking the gloves off. That's what gives me hope. Yeah. And I want to see more of that. Take off the gloves. Those Republicans haven't had gloves in so long. They don't remember what gloves are. We need our gloves off. But you, Steve, tell me what gives you hope. That's what I want to know. Oh, gosh. I was I was
0: going to end it there because that was so good. But you oh, and – oh, but go. I'll, I'm going to just ditto what you said because you and everyone else wants Democrats with the gloves off. And I don't even mean like aggressive, like dirty Democrats. I mean no. defining the narrative – Talking about what's important to us, talking about what's important to the great swath of Americans, because that's what we're fighting for, you know. And um, you know, we're seeing our leaders take a stand. We're seeing yep. our leaders define the narrative instead of being constantly reactive to this noise and. I, you know, I always want to use the word "craven," and I could never do it when Mariah was my host, or now that you're a guest. but, <laughs> no, but um must not <laughs> must not. So uh, but, you know, it we just have been so responsive. We talked about it earlier in terms of the abortion as an issue. Like that has been such a big issue that Republicans have managed to define for decades as yeah. as a uh, as a litmus test and as a one voter issue for Republicans. And we were so. You know, worried about stepping into that. Uh, we are seeing Democrats now coming in to what's important and talking about what's important and defining that narrative. and uh, And that's what we all want to see. That's what we want to yeah. see from the, our leaders. And that's exciting, and that does give me hope,
1: yeah, yeah, good. I love that. yeah it's so true. And you can use Craven. By the way, it's a great word. I love the <laughs> word craven and as as an adjective. so, you have my blessing.
0: Do you use it as, you know, even though it's your last name as
1: well? I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I think I, I'm not just because I'm self-conscious. I'm <laughs> sure. like, I can't put my own last name in a sentence, but I think it's a good word. And yeah. there's a lot of craven behavior going around. So there's I say- There's a lot
0: of Pearson behavior going around too. There's a lot of yeah, Pearson,
1: Pearson blue eyes at least. S- I don't see what know. <laughs> I did? Hey,
0: look at you. <laughs> <laughs> um jessica my friend who i've known for a long time and i'm so grateful for all the work that you continue to do Uh, again we'll put the link to your substack chop wood carry water newsletter and i'll keep stealing from it for our to-do list here too but um but thanks thanks so much for being here on how we win
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. It has been a delight. And don't forget, everybody, don't quit before the miracle. I truly believe we are coming to a period of great transformation. So stay with us and uh, remember that hope is in action.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. This is How We Win. We win when we all get involved. We'd love to hear from you. Please send us an email at hello at pod. or tweet to us at HowWeWinPod at BluesBoySteve and at JenAncona. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review on Apple or wherever you get your pods and share our show with your friends and family. There is always work to do, so we will be back with Jen next Wednesday.